This message comes to you from New Life Derby. Well, it's great to be starting a new series this week. We're looking at kingdom homes. And um, this has been on my heart for a while, just to look at this, um, a series like this. And, and the, the, the title came from really the theme of this year where we're looking at heaven touching earth. Heaven touching earth. That's our theme for this year. And we want heaven to touch earth in every area of our lives. We want heaven to come, heaven, the kingdom of heaven to come down and to reign in our homes. And that's why we've titled this, you know, um, Kingdom Homes. And as, as I was on the flight from coming from India and I was just meditating on this, this series and thinking about it, I just felt God saying that this first session should be about foundations and us praying for God to unlock our hearts. Because so many times we can talk about things, but when you have a barrier in your heart, it prevents God from doing what he wants to do. And I just, I want to give some time at the end of this, this message really to give us time to pray that our hearts will be opened so that when we go into delving into the word of God, what does the word say about to men? What does it say to, to, to you as a man, whether you're married or a single man or, or, or you're, you're, you're a young man, however, you, whatever age you are, what does the word of God say to you as a man? What does the word of God say to you as a lady? What does the word of God say to you as a married lady, as a single lady? Or what does the word of God say to singles? We're going to be exploring those over the next few weeks. And I really want to encourage you. Next week I'll be looking at men, you know, and the context of marriage. And I like that, that trailer said, you know, marriage is under attack. The family is under attack. Men are under attack. Women are under attack. You know, there's, there's, there's almost every, every area of, of, of the family is under attack by the world. But there's an answer. There's an answer to that. You know, and this illustration came to me that, you know, there's so many marriages, are, are, the, the percentage of marriages now that are breaking up are, are very high. You know, more than, more, less than 50% of marriages now remain. And I was, just, I, I was just thinking about this. Do you know if, if less than 50% of aircrafts took off and crashed, you won't fly? How many of us know that you decide not to fly? Because there's a 50-50 chance that you will die. More or less. Could God have designed something that will crash? He, could, he didn't design that to crash. So the problem we have then is what laws are we using to run this? If physics 
And we have engineers here and scientists. I'm not a scientist. I'm, a, I'm an art person and creative person. So please correct me. I don't know all the laws and all that. But there are laws of gravity and all those things. And if the captain in your pilot, the, 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 the captain of the aeroplane said, you know what, today it seems like there's a stable gravity on, on the floor. So the aircraft should possibly take off as normal and we shouldn't have any crashes. You would you would jump off the plane, won't you? And that's the same thing. God designed laws and foundations for marriage and for family and for homes. And when you follow those laws, you follow those foundations, there's a 100% chance of success because he designed it. There's a 100% chance of success because he designed it. And I know it's a bold statement to make, but the word of God is true. The word of God is true. Just as the laws of physics are, are, are sure and those things that you know that if, if, every, if, if the plane follows these laws, it will take off and it will land where it should be without crashing. That's the same way our homes can be a happy place can be successful and we can see children that grow up to know the Lord. So over these next few weeks, we're going to be looking at it. And we, I know, you know, there are so many different types of homes and families now. You know, there's the, there's, there are married couples, there are single parents, there are foster families, there are adoptive families, there are blended homes. There's, there's so many different types of families. But I don't want you, I, I just felt God giving me this, this sentence. Look how I work these principles out in my context. So look for how these principles can be worked out in your context. And don't let any barriers come to block you from receiving his principles, from receiving what God wants to say to us. Because his word is true. His word is sure. And his word will come to pass. And when we look at, you know, the, the, the home, what, there's no greater time to look at it than February. February is a love month, isn't it? You know, you go into all the shops and it's painted red. It's, you know, everything is red. And I began to research. I was thinking, you know, why, why is red the color of love? Why is red that color that, you know? And, and I, I saw someone, a researcher said, red is the color of fire and blood. Wow. So it is associated with energy, war, danger, strength, power, determination, as well as passion, desire, and love. Red is a very emotional, intense color, and it has high visibility, which is why stop signs, stop lights, and fire equipments are usually painted red. And I, as, I, as I was reading that, I just felt, you know, this word saying, God, God just dropped this prophetic word and said, I'm going to hold a paintbrush with deep red color on it. And for those homes that have lost that dark red passion, desire, love in their homes, I'm going to repaint it. I'm going to repaint it. I'm going to refresh the paint on your homes. Because I want there to be passion. 
I want there to be desire. I want there to be love. I want there to be energy. I want there to be strength back in the homes. And red is that color that signifies that. And, you know, even in the context of, of, of um, we look at as Christians, red is the color that we use for the blood of Jesus. Is the color we use for the blood of Jesus. Do you realize that Jesus had all those emotions in him? Desire, passion, love, danger, strength, determination. That's when you think of Gethsemane, Gethsemane where he went and he prayed. My, can you imagine how, take just think of it as a parent. Can you imagine how God felt seeing his son begging him to take the weight that he has before him of him? Can you imagine? And he had the power to do it. He had the power to say, Jesus, I call this off right now. But I can imagine God looking at it and saying, Jesus, you can do this. You can do this. This is going to save humanity forever. It's going to bring salvation forever to mankind. It might be tough right now, but you can do it. And Jesus is there sweating blood. The Bible says that. There's passion there. There's desire. And if today you don't know Jesus... He loves you so much that he went to the cross. God loved you so much that he sent his only son to die for you. That's passion. That's love. That's desire. He didn't think about himself. He gave up everything. And he went to the cross. For us. I see red painted all over that. I see red painted all over those emotions. I see red painted there. You know, and I was thinking about the cross and Jesus on the cross. And we believe in being full of the Holy Spirit. And every one of us. I, I want to trust and believe that we are desiring to be full. Last week I talked about being in life full of the Holy Spirit. And I trust and I believe that we are always topping that cup up of the Holy Spirit in our lives. That we are always full of the Holy Spirit. That there's something in us that just does not want to see that cup run dry. And they're always feeling it. But then I was thinking about Jesus and Jesus on the cross. And thinking, Jesus, what kept you on the cross? Was it the gifts of the Holy Spirit? And I don't think it was the gifts. I believe it was the fruit of the Holy Spirit that kept him on the cross. It was the fruit of the Holy Spirit that kept Jesus on that cross. And I've had, I have a list of, of the different fruits of the Holy Spirit. Can I have the next slide, please? Love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. 
That's what kept Jesus on the cross. And this morning we're looking at foundations of our homes. I believe that these are the strongest foundations that you can build your home on. You can build your marriage on, your relationship with your, with your children, your relationship with your siblings, with your parents. These are the greatest foundations you can have. Love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. When you have that, and remember, it's called the fruit of the Spirit, not fruits of the Spirit. He brings everything as one fruit. You can't go to an apple tree and just get the apple seed out and pluck that from. No, it's the full fruit that you take. It's the full fruit you take. And that's when the Holy Spirit comes into us. He comes in with everything. These nine fruits come to us. So you have love in you. You have joy. If your home isn't fun, you need to begin to make it fun. Begin to stir up that fun inside of you. That excitement inside. Stir it up. Joy, peace, forbearance, self-control. Let's desire these fruits of the Spirit. Galatians 5 and verse 22 to 23 gives us these. Gives us these fruits of the, fruit of the Spirit. The first thing I really want to say is Jesus is the foundation of our homes. The Holy Spirit comes, but Jesus is that foundation. And the problem with a foundation is when it is cracked, there's a problem. If you have any, if we have any civil engineers here, if you have a house that the foundation is faulty, they need to fix that foundation immediately. There's an urgency to fix that foundation because if you carry on living in that house, one day that house will come crashing down on you. And that's what we see in our world today is that the foundation of our homes are not on Jesus. They are not on the word. They are not based on the Holy Spirit. And so many times that is a problem. That's why we have that level of percentage of broken homes. Because we need to go back to the foundation and see what is wrong with the foundation. Where have we gone wrong? What have we done? And if you're here today and you're, you're, you're in a difficult situation at home, I just want to encourage you really because the Lord brings hope. The Holy Spirit brings hope. There's always hope. There's never a time where God says, you know, I've written this situation off. There's no situation written off by God. There's always hope. It might look hopeless to you right now as a man, but with God, nothing is impossible. And when we align our hearts aright with him and we say, God, we want to walk with you. We want to revisit our foundations and we want to re re strengthen it. God will come in. Yeah. 
and he will do it. I want to read two scriptures that just emphasize that fact that Jesus is the foundation. 1 Corinthians 3 and verse 11. Paul says, for no one can lay any foundation other than the one we already have, Jesus Christ. No one can lay any other foundation than the one we already have. Do you know, no one else instituted marriage. The government did not institute it. The courts did not institute it. People did not institute it. It was God that instituted it. It was God that instituted it. And he is our foundation that we build on. And we make mistakes. If you've if, if, if made a mistake in the past today, God never condemns us. He brings us hope for the future. And I want us to walk in that hope today. That God brings hope for whatever situation you're in right now. He brings hope for the future. Jesus is the foundation that we already have. Ephesians 3 and verse 14, it says, For this reason I kneel before the Father from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. Every family derives its name from him, from Jesus, from heaven. And whatever name you bear today, it, you might think it's your father's name, but it is really him that has given you that name. It's him that has given you that name. I don't know if you are reading the, the, the Bible verse, um, the, the, the six months um, reading. Last, yesterday's reading was, was, was great for me because it just went through names and names and names and names of families. And it went through names of families. And I just want to read how it ended in Luke, chapter, in Luke chapter 3. And in verse 38 it says, The son of Enosh, the son of Seth, the son of Adam, the son of God. That's how God traces your genealogy. He traces it back to the son of God. He traces us back to Adam, the son of God. We are all, we derive our name from him. We derive our names from him. And it's a big challenge because God looks at the family and to him, the family is everything for him. He looks at it and he's thinking, what? Is that family tree like? And he wants you today. If you are a first generation Christian, he's looking at you to start a lineage of godly children and godly heritage. If you're a third generation Christian, praise God for that. If you're a fourth generation Christian, praise God for that. God is looking at generations and he's a generational God. He's looking at us men and saying, how are you bringing up the next generation? 
How are you investing in the next generation? He's looking at us, we are women, and saying, how are you investing in the next generation? How are you investing in the next generation that are put in your house or are put around you here in church? How are you investing in the next generation? Because there's a responsibility on us. And God, Jesus is our foundation. Just, and the second thing I want to say is Jesus is the architect of the family. He's the designer. He's the architect of it. Do you know if you want to build a building, you need an architect. And what happens if you get this great architect design and then the builders just look at it and think, oh, well, that window doesn't work there. You know, it, I can't put that window there. I'll just do what I want to do. And I'll just mock up a window here or I'll just put the wall here and move the window to that point. What happens? You lose where the strength should be. You lose where what the designer has designed this to be. And then all of a sudden, one, one, at some point, you begin to see that the roof caves in and, and the door has shifted. And before you know it, the building crumbles. Jesus is the architect of the family. He has designed what it should look like. And over the next few weeks, we're going to be looking at what that looks like. What that looks like in practice. But Psalm 127, Psalm 127 says, Unless the Lord builds a house, the work of the builders is wasted. Unless the Lord builds a house, the work of the builders is wasted. Unless the Lord protects a city, guarding it with centuries will do no good. God builds. God, God gives us the design and has called us to build our lives on that design, to build our families, our homes around that design. And another scripture which really we have based this whole series on is Ephesians 5. And I just want us to read this because Paul, I love the book of Ephesians just because of the richness of it. Ephesians is such a great book because the first three chapters, he talks about, you know, who, what our position is in Christ, how we, you know, what Christ has done for us. And he gives us all these great revelations. And then from verse 4 to 6, he begins to give us very practical outworking of that so he begins to look at our lives and he says how do you work this christian walk out how do you take this design this plan this architecture architect design and begin to live it out and in verse um, chapter 5 and verse 21 he says submit to one another out of reverence for christ so he starts by saying submit to one another we all have a responsibility to submit to one another. Wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands as you do to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife as Christ is the head of the church, his body, of which he is a savior. Rachel will be looking at that. As women, how do you outwork this design that God has made? How do you make that 
work in your life in 21st century today. It's, this, isn't, this isn't a scripture that is only relevant for the 1900s or the 1800s. It's relevant today, but how do we outwork, out, out, outwork that in our daily lives? And then the next one. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives. Just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word. Next verse. And to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. In the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. After all, no one ever hated their own body, but they feed and care for their body just as Christ does the church. For we are members of his body. Paul begins to expand on that. What does it mean for husbands to love their wives? And I'm going to be looking at some of that next week. And I'll encourage you, if you're married and your husband isn't here, bring them along next week. They need to hear that word. Bring them along, kicking and screaming. Let, let's hear what God wants to say to us as men. But I like it because Paul doesn't end there. The next one, he says, For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. He didn't... Paul didn't write that scripture. He got it from somewhere. But then he goes on to say, this is a profound mystery. I love that. You know, have you ever heard someone that says, I'm going to tell you something really important. Really, really important. This is really profound. And then he says the thing. And then you're thinking, if he hadn't said that, I would have missed it. I would have missed how profound it is. It's the same thing. Jesus says, verily, verily, I say unto you. That's the same sort of thing where Jesus is saying, this is really, really important. I am going to tell you. Paul says that and he says, this is a profound mystery. That means we need to look deeper than just what those words are. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife and the two will become one flesh. This is a profound mystery, but I'm talking about Christ and the church. And then he brings it back to what he was talking about earlier. I'm talking about Christ and the church. How does Christ and the church relate to a man and his wife? We'll be looking at that. However, each one of you also must love his wife as he loves himself. And the wife must respect her husband. You look at that and you think, wow, that's a great architectural design there. Where Paul is telling households how to work. That's simply what Paul is saying. This is how households should work. This is the instruction from God to households. And if we don't follow those instructions there's most likely going to be problems. 
there's most likely going to be problems. But God has called us to be a church that knows his principles. And we go back to the beginning. To look at foundations, we need to go back to the beginning. I said those, that, those words, but, um, um, leave his father and mother and cling. Paul did not write those words. He got them from somewhere. And he got them from Genesis chapter 2. And I just want us to read that quickly before we begin to pray. In Genesis chapter 2 from verse 18, it says, And the Lord God said, this is when God had made Adam. So God had made Adam and he said, it is not good that man should be alone. It is not good that man should be alone. He needed companionship. He needed someone. I will make him a helper comparable to him. And I know, you know, some people take that aspect of wives submit to your own husbands and they're beginning to feel that God has made me um, a dominant person to overpower. No, he says, I will make you a helper comparable to him. That's who he has made the woman, a helper comparable. Who else is called a helper in the Bible? The Holy Spirit is called a helper. Does the Holy Spirit have to come under us? Because he's called a helper. He comes alongside us and he helps us. So God made us a helper comparable to us men. But do you know the beauty of it? Out of the ground, the Lord formed every beast of the field and every bird of the air and brought them to Adam to see what he would call them. And whatever Adam called each living creature, that was his name. You know, it's interesting that God goes from I need to create somebody to be a, uh, to be a helper, to go and be creating animals. He probably was wondering, you know, I wonder if Adam will find one of these animals as a helper that will be comparable to him. You know, that will be able to be a companion with him. And then we go on to the next verse. So Adam gave names to all cattle, to the birds of the air, and to every beast of the field. But for Adam, there was not found a helper comparable to him so he must have been looking for a helper when he created all these animals but there was not one found that could be that person and the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall on Adam and he slept and he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh in his place do you know, men were made from dust. Women were made from a... Women have always been more expensive than men. <laughs> God just needed dust to make man. But then he had to put man in a deep sleep. And take a rib out of man to make woman. Women have always been more expensive than men. But God says there, the Bible says there, and the Lord caused a deep sleep to fall on Adam. I don't know how long that sleep was, but there was something significant about the sleep. It wasn't just a normal sleep, it was a deep sleep that God caused Adam to fall into. And he slept and he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh in his place. Then the rib which the Lord God had taken from man, he made into woman and he brought it to man. Do you know, I'm going to say a statement here that is, that, that 
I can't, I don't have time to explain, but I might touch on it next, next week. But marriage is not a contract, it's a covenant. Marriage is not a contract, it's a covenant. For a covenant to be made, blood needs to be involved. And that's why God took, when God took the rib out of Adam, there was blood, there was a cut, there was something there of a covenant he was making. A contract, I have a contract with EE, and the contract is for my benefit and for their benefit. So they are fighting to keep, protect their rights and to protect, you know, they tell you I have the right to change the, 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 the price at any point in time. And then I read the contract and I'm thinking I'm not happy with this contract. You know, I'm not going to sign this contract. So I send it back to them and I don't take their product. And that's what a contract is. A contract, you defend yourself. But a covenant is saying, no, 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 I'm giving myself to this. I'm giving myself to this. That's why when Jesus entered into a covenant with us, it wasn't about him saving his life or protecting himself. He was saying, no, I'm giving everything into this. I'm holding nothing back from this. And when God designed this thing called marriage, it was a covenant he was designing. Where we can't come in to say, this is what, you know, this is, these are my terms. You come in to say, I have no terms. I am giving everything to this. He designed it from the start as a covenant. And just the last slide on that. And Adam said, this is now known, sorry, the one before that. And so Adam gave names to all the cattle and no, 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 no. Have I missed something? 22 verse 23. Is there a verse 23 there? And Adam said, this is now bone of my bone, sorry, a flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. And then the next one, the last one. And therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife and they shall become one flesh. This is where Paul got that scripture from. Shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife and they shall become one flesh. And they were both naked, the man and his wife, and were not ashamed. I'd like us to stand and I've got some things I'd like us to declare over our homes before we go into pray. I want us to say these words out, just a few declarations that we are declaring over our homes and over our marriages and over our children. And, and we're going to pray. We're going to pray. And you, I want you to pray out. I want you to pray for your situation, whatever that situation looks like. If you're a single mom, pray for that situation. If you're a married couple, pray into that. If you have children, pray into that. If you're foster carers, pray into that. If, you're, if you have adopted children, pray into that. Let's pray God's blessing on whatever form of home that he has placed us in right now. And let's ask him for the grace to build as he wants us to build. Let's ask him for the grace to build as he wants us to build. So we're going to declare these, these declarations over our homes. Let's declare this one to go. We declare that Jesus, you are the foundation of our homes. 
We declare that Jesus, you are the architect of our homes. We declare that our marriages are blessed and highly favored. We declare that our children are a heritage of the Lord and are for signs and wonders. We declare that the fruit of the Spirit will guide our decisions and actions in the home. We declare that no weapon formed against our homes will prosper. We declare that we have the victory over the enemy in our homes. Let's just lift our voices now and begin to pray those declarations over our homes. Begin to pray those things over your situation, whatever it is. Begin to ask God to come into that situation and to release his blessing upon that situation. Lord Jesus. Lord Jesus. Lord Jesus. Lord Jesus. Lord Jesus. Lord, we declare that you are, oh God, our foundation, oh God. We declare that you are the architect of our homes, Lord Jesus. We declare, Father, that you are glorified and you are lifted high. You are exalted in all the earth, O oh God. We pray, Father, that you be glorified in our children, O oh God. Be glorified in our children, whether you they are, they are biological children, O oh God, or children, Lord, that, that, that we are taking responsibility for right now. We pray that you, O oh God, will be glorified in them, O oh God. Lord, we thank you for your faithfulness, O oh God. We give you praise. We ask that you will be glorified and lifted up, O oh God. Strengthen us, O oh God. Equip us for what you're calling us to do, O oh God. Lord, we give you praise. We worship you. We bless your name. We exalt you, O oh God. You are worthy of praise, Jesus. You are worthy of praise, O oh God. We magnify your name and glorify you, Jesus. Hallelujah. 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 Jesus. I'd like us to take this time again to pray right now. Let's pray for our hearts. Let's pray that God will give us a heart that is receptive to what he's saying. He will give us a heart that is receptive to his word. He will give us a heart that is receptive to what he wants to do in our lives and in our homes. That our homes will be a reflection of what he is, what he, of his kingdom. As we hear what he has to say and he speaks to our lives, let's just pray right now that he will give us the right heart and he will give us the right spirit to hear what he wants to say, Lord Jesus. Oh, we give you praise, Father. We worship you. We acknowledge you for your goodness. We acknowledge you for your kindness to us. We acknowledge you, oh God, for your tender mercies, oh God. You are worthy. And I pray, Father, that our hearts, oh God, will be ready, oh God. We'll be ready for you in the name of Jesus. Our hearts will be prepared, oh God. Our hearts will be in the right place, oh God. Our hearts will be sponges to receive your word, to receive what you are saying, oh God. Our hearts will be fertile ground for you, oh God. Fertile ground for your word. Fertile ground for what you want to do, oh God. In the name of Jesus. Oh, we give you praise. We give you praise, Father, because you are faithful, oh God. We thank you, Lord Jesus. For more information, please visit newlifederby.org.uk.